Hello, welcome back to USC Rehab Counseling Today. We are your hosts, Hayden and Sam. Our guest today is Dr. Richardson, the newest faculty member in the Rehab Counseling Program. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Richardson. Hello, happy to be here. Why don't we start with a little bit about you and your background? Sure. So I am from South Carolina, so I completed my bachelor's and my master's here in the state of South Carolina, um, background in psychology and rehabilitation counseling. Didn't actually complete my studies here at the University of South Carolina, but I did complete it at South Carolina State University, HBCU in Orangeburg. During that time, I had an opportunity to do a little bit of service as well as clinical. Um, So some of my experience was working with populations in like the Calhoun County um, in that area. It was essentially college students with uh, an organization. We did prevention work. So it was prevention for uh, HIV and AIDS as well as drug and alcohol use. So we would go out um, to different universities and test for HIV and AIDS, but also provide prevention strategies and encouraging safe sex practices in addition to um, drug and alcohol use. And it was in connection with the SAMHSA grant. So that was the focus area. It was in the the dorm room. So students didn't have to go out. Um, We came to them, but we treated it as if it was sort of a powwow um, where they felt comfortable enough to kind of talk about things that they were doing on campus and it was a conversation that we had about how to not only practice safe sex practices but also you know ensure that wove in best practices when it came to drug and alcohol use i went straight into my doctoral studies and that took me over to the midwest great experience i was met with a bit of a culture shock with the cold weather <laughs> Uh, you know, I was there for some years, and um, once I got through my first winter, I I was fine. Yeah, you knew what you were doing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I found little pathways uh, to stay warm um, as I navigated campus, and um, it was a nice experience to be in the Midwest. So during that time, I had an opportunity to to work with youth with disabilities. It was a college-like experience for youth with intellectual um, developmental disabilities, learning disabilities. And it's uh, similar to the Carolina Life uh, program here. And uh, what I did was work with the students in terms of daily living activities, job, coaching. So we would go to their dorms, ensure that they're keeping up to task with cleaning, ensuring that they follow the rules that were outlined by the university RAs because uh, they had to learn independence and much for, for most of them as with anyone at this age this is the first time that they're going through this. A portion of the program is to help students find employment. So I would help with uh, that process with them finding employment, uh, trans- their transportation to their employment. It kind of was a phase process where we would meet up We'd ride together on the bus, um, and then I would let them get on to one stop. I'll get on at another stop. And then eventually, 
I would just meet them there. So uh, again, weaving in that independence. That's a little bit of progression. Yes, yes, yes. And the same was done at their um, places of employment. So I would sort of help with their tasks. And then eventually I phased back where I was more observing, kind of intervening if they had any questions, talking with their supervisors. And eventually, you know, they didn't even realize that I was there. And then I also had an opportunity to lead like a group, like class, and it was on wellness, self-care, like stress management and that was a, a rewarding experience. We had students who took to it, a couple that didn't. Uh, it taught me a lot about accommodations and how to ensure that when you plan for activities that you are planning for different learning, not only different learning styles, but different disabilities. And then I also had like a small caseload where I worked with some of the students one-on-one. Yeah, it seems very rewarding. Yes, it was. I enjoyed it. Um, I really wanted to work with youth with disabilities. Much of what I, I guess you would say my roots, so to speak, what led me into this field was a family member um, diagnosed with autism. Essentially what it is, is my younger brother and my younger cousin are like a year apart. So I could see in terms of differences what it was as far as their development. And I wanted to know what would happen once um, my cousin reached transition age, once he got to the point of graduation. And so I naturally went into psychology rehabilitation counseling. Yeah, it makes sense. I think a lot of times we naturally take our own experiences and bring them into our passions. Right, right. And so the REACH program gave me that opportunity to see what could happen uh, to youth that are transitioning, you know, from from high school to the world of work or whether it's going to be college. Um, I actually worked with one of the students. She was going, she was taking classes at one of the uh, community colleges. And essentially, I just went with her. She didn't really need much from me. But we would talk about her goals on the way there and on the way back, we talk about um, classes and how she's, you know, navigating the classes, how she's feeling. Um, So wide spectrum of persons with disabilities, different goals, different things that you're targeting. And that program gave me an opportunity to work with them in different ways. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's awesome. I guess kind of just heading into kind of your role here in our department here at University of South Carolina. Kind of tell us a little bit about that. What what are you planning to do? Are you in any research? So I'm I'm excited to be here, I'll say that. And um, one of the things that I'm seeing with the program is how it matches my, um, kind of my philosophy with teaching, with supervision, and of course with research. Research, I kind of look at it as a it's an integrative process. If you are researching some of the things that you're doing, it'll feed into your practices, enhancing your practices, having more evidence-based uh, focus, but then having a connection with ultimately, how is this going to benefit a client long-term? And so I am an assistant professor. I'm also the uh, practicum and internship coordinator. 
one of my areas of, of interest and in, you know some of my publications are around this as well as professional identity development so being practicum and internship coordinator is sort of a, a good fit for me to be able to watch that progression and be able to help students not only identify sites find sites um, be successful at those sites and then having that connection with the community so i know what sites are around in the community what are the needs so it's also kind of thinking about what you do in rehabilitation counseling when you take that vocational perspective of it in terms of helping clients find jobs and place um, at these different job sites. But I, I like that I'm able to watch that progression of students from um, admissions throughout the time that they're in the program, watching students transition from student to counseling training, and then graduation. <laughs> so this fit for me uh, being in this role as professor of course but then practicum and internship coordinator i'm able to identify you know different ways that might enhance the way that we supervise students um, things that could potentially be researched um, but then also just being that support system for students at this time at that time uh, when you're transitioning from i've studied all of this i've gone through the curriculum now I have to apply it. Right. Head around that. It can take a little mm -hmm. bit. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So for those who might not know, could you explain maybe a little bit of the difference between practicum and internship and what that looks like? Yes, yes. I'll explain it from the standpoint of what is required for KCREP. Practicum students need to complete 100 hours of a clinical experience. Of that 100 hours, 40 need to be direct client. What's different here at the university, this program is that it's 150 hours. And so 60 of those 150 need to be direct client hours. Once you transition over to internship, the 600 hour requirement and of the 600, 240 need to be direct client contact hours. Developmentally, what does that look like? Practicum, you're just now kind of stepping into what it means to be a clinician, probably um, taking on a smaller caseload. So you'll start with observations, you'll work closely with your site supervisor. Um, you're just kind of learning the ropes. You're able to also test to see if this is the site, population, agency, that you, you want to work in. So you'll have maybe about three to five clients that you're working closely with, but a large portion of it is understanding your role as an intern, as a clinician. Okay. Once you get over to um, internship, you can have 10 to 15 you know, caseloads. So more cases, more clients. Um, you will, of course, still be receiving supervision from both university, faculty, but also site supervisor. But you will probably start your internship similar to practicum, depending on the site, depending on if it's the same site from practicum to internship. You're doing a little bit of observations, but in about a couple of weeks into that, you're going to transition into carrying that load a little more on your own. So you'll have your site supervisor that is either in the sessions with you 
you know, maybe observing, you know, for a few minutes, or you could be in the sessions solo and they're giving you supervision. This is where it aligns with how I see um, supervision more developmentally, that it's appropriate for where you're at um, as, a, as a growing counselor. And so that, that in a nutshell is the differences between practicum and internship. Thank you. I appreciate you yeah. talking about that a little bit more. And it definitely, I think you explained that really well as well, because I think sometimes, I know for me personally, I can get a little bit confused between the differences between practicum and internship. It seemed like this ominous cloud in the future that we don't have to worry about yet, but right, right. You know that it's 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 something that you have to complete for graduation, and it's embedded within the curriculum. But what does that actually look like? Um, and and so it it is helpful to to be thinking along the way of what sites, what population, um, so that when you get to that point, you can start identifying and putting the pieces to the puzzle together you know, showing up when when that first day of that, whatever semester that is. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Any research that you're currently working on that you want to talk about? Yeah, so research, talking about an ominous cloud. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I say that because um, I, having just started in this role um, at the university, I come from an administrative role at my previous university, and so research kind of came to a screeching halt. <laughs> um, so as I mentioned, um, you know, previously with the professional identity development being an area of interest, some things that I've worked on, some of my interests and experiences with not only identity development, but advocacy. Um, so population would be more graduate students at that with, with these particular studies. So I looked at, uh, their understanding of professional advocacy and what we as counselor educators could do differently to help with students from a preparation standpoint. And so I was working with a particular organization, service related, so embedding service into research and trying to weave those two together. Um, had an opportunity to work with students across the nation. I was a student rep for ARCA, the American Rehabilitation Counseling Association Division of ACA. And um, there was just a, a project that students have, could sign up to do. And I wanted to ensure that we as counselor educators were doing an effective job to sort of help with that, thinking more long-term in the future. Well, what I found was that students were excited about it, interested in it, they definitely had the guidance as, as far as like mentors and advisors, but I did learn that there could be more intentionality in the way that we weave it into the curriculum. And so that is something that I hope to do and something that I kind of talk about a little here and there. But it, I think it's it's definitely woven in at the doctoral level with leadership and advocacy, but not so much at the master's. And so we can get there. Um, <laughs> so uh, from there, um, still along the lines of service, I completed a study that looked at leaders and their effectiveness um, in their position. So like what incidents, what significant events occurred that sort of shaped them and shaped their development, but also impacted their um, practices and their effectiveness as a leader. That was a qualitative study 
I grounded theory and developed a, a model from that um, from that study and essentially looking at how personal factors, professional factors, um, a leader's knowledge and skills, the culture and climate of an organization, um, and how all of those things play a role in not only the development of the individual, but it also feeds back into the organization. So um, there can be growth on both ends for organization and the individual. That's a lot to consider. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, that it's not just the work that you're doing um, as a person, but that work, of course, is to the organization, to the field. Um, and you hope that it is advancing in some type of way. It takes a level of awareness to see in what ways am I growing as a leader? In what ways am I being shaped by these experiences? But also, how am I shaping and influencing this organization all at the same time? Because it is occurring. So from there, I really started thinking about how organizations, how leaders, and one's development, so to speak, impacts their well-being. Um, and so this is kind of where I am with my focus and, and where I want to head with my agenda here is looking at those uh, psychosocial work conditions. So job satisfaction, burnout, uh, work demands, uh, understanding your role in the workplace, like role conflict, and essentially how does that all impact one's well-being, which brings it full circle to thinking about people who come into counseling generally and then thinking about persons with disabilities. So thus far, I've collaborated with a lot of individuals on projects that's looking at uh, how school and community partnerships, you know, are effective with persons with disabilities. Also, um, kind of looking at the some different psychosocial factors that might influence one's adaptation to disability. And kind of my lens on is one to focus on, well, we can assist with getting jobs, we get them placed, um, but what happens after that? You know, how is work impacting one's well-being? How is work um, sort of shaping this individual? Yeah, absolutely. That's particularly interesting for me because by nature, I love working, <laughs> but I also think about it from the standpoint of work is essential to one's identity. So within the first couple questions that you ask someone when you first meet them, you're asking what they do. So it's tied to one's identity. And for those who struggle to keep a job or get a job, that can be a sore spot for them. But then we also know that work can be stressful too. Yeah. <laughs> we, we hear a lot about burnout these days. And so what is it about a particular climate that, aside from ensuring that we have accommodations in place, but what is it about the the, the other psychosocial factors of the workplace that, that we can pay attention to to help someone maybe stay and maintain uh, employment? And so that's kind of where I am with what I want to do and explore. Um, I've started that, but it, it's... It, it's just where I'm at currently. And so I'm hoping uh, that that'll, that'll blossom for me and, 
and I can, you know, weave in uh, the identity development pieces of one's growth, tapping into well-being, but also keeping the focus on um, how does this ultimately impact persons with disabilities. That's that in a nutshell. <laughs> I was gonna say it definitely doesn't seem like it's at a screeching halt. <laughs> yeah, you definitely you have a plan. It sounds awesome. It sounds yeah. like it's definitely gonna make just the way people think about work, life balance, and identity with jobs just that much more in depth and that much more researched upon. I suppose. Yes, yes, yes. I think about it often. You know those times that you're up in the middle of the night, and these are things that sort of occupy my mind. But I also just think about my own personal experiences of wanting to achieve work-life balance, and I'm not exempt from this. And I always think about my mom and, you know, growing up watching her sort of navigating work-life balance. And uh, the natural helper in me always wanted to reduce the load and so hope that my research can contribute in some way, shape, or form to people not only just finding value in work, but ways that they can be well at work. Absolutely. Anything else that you'd like to share or closing thoughts? Um, I guess it's just that I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and talk about a little bit about my background and my research agenda and ultimately what is it that I'm doing here at the university? Well, we're really excited you're here with us. Yeah, I just I'm excited about being able to to work with students and making those connections in the community and seeing how all of this can come to fruition, all of these ideas that I have. Thanks again, Dr. Richardson, for joining us. We appreciate you sharing your insights and experience with us. And thank you for listening to another episode. Stay tuned next time with another special guest.